0: going on, everybody? Welcome to A Coach's Challenge. I am your host, Andrew Daly. We've got another great episode lined up here for you today. I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, as always, give us a follow on Twitter, at challenge underscore cast, or shoot us an email with any uh, questions, comments, or concerns, podcast at gmail.com. Yes, we are here back with another episode of A Coach's Challenge podcast. Been on a little bit of a Hiatus and uh, you know suffering through some some laryngitis and and losing a voice and and all that fun stuff. So nobody wants to listen to you uh, when you sound like a squirrel. But we got a great episode coming back today. (laughs) But we got a great episode coming back, man. I'm excited. Uh, This guy's a friend of mine. uh, Climbed through the ranks. He's a South Jersey guy, but you know started in high school and has made his way into college and is making a a name for himself uh, in the college ranks. Currently works as the defensive line coach, defensive run game coordinator, associate head coach, recruiting coordinator, and I'm sure I'm missing a couple other titles. He's at John Carroll University. Uh, Coach Jeff Long, man, I want to thank you for being on the Coach's Challenge today.
1: Hey, man, thank you for having me. Uh, It's been awesome to see you kind of take off with this thing, you know, from afar. Uh, Great seeing South Jersey coaches really keeping in touch and, you know, just bringing out great stories and just keeping the coaching community connected. It's awesome.
0: Absolutely, man. I appreciate you coming on, and I know you're in the middle of a recruiting visit, so uh, you're taking the time out of that to to kind of be on with us. If I do sound a little different today, it's not my voice. I am testing out a new mic, so everybody be polite. Hopefully, uh, you know, as this thing gets bigger, I get better equipment, so that's what we're doing today. Uh, Coach, we're going to jump right in, man. You're a South Jersey guy. You went to Cherokee High School, and then you went on to, uh, to play at Muhlenberg tell us just a little bit about your playing experience growing up and, you know, how you got into coaching and, and who were some of your biggest influences?
1: Yeah. So, you know, grew up in Marlton, New Jersey and played at Cherokee. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, just from the whole community aspect, you know, everybody going to the bowl on Friday nights to see those games Just growing up and then being able to be a part of it, you know, as a player was great. And, um, you know, you know, uh, probably my, biggest influence growing up, you know, I I had two. you know, my father was heavily involved in, you know, my athletics and my life. And, you know, he he always talked about high school football, man, with just a tone of reverence that just really set with me. And, you know, I treated it the same way. It It was a great gift to be able to play there and have those experiences. And, and then my, my high school coach, PJ Megan, was a huge influence on me, the way he handled himself, the way he brought the team together um, each year, you know, no, no matter what the talent level was. And we were able to do some special things together. And, you know, I've always looked up to him in, in terms of how he, he conducted himself. And he always told me it's not about the X's no, you know, it's about the relationships. And Really, it kind of triggered me into wanting to get into coaching. Uh, it was something that I felt strongly about and I agreed with. And I knew when I was finished college, it was something, whether it was high school, college, I knew I wanted to get involved. Sure.
0: And uh, you know, if you guys you're not from the area and you're listening to this podcast, man, uh, Cherokee has definitely got one of the coolest places to watch a football game uh, in high school. <laughs> their Their, their oh, field yeah. sits their field sits down on a in a in a bowl, and everybody kind of sits and fills up the stands and kind of stands around the top and really cool atmosphere. Talk about, talk a little bit about you know uh, what it was like for you as just as a player making that transition from from high school to college and and the rigors of
1: that. Yeah. You know, I think it was, um, it was cool because there was a lot expected of us at Cherokee in terms of the off season commitment. Sure. Um, you know, we were always in the weight room. That's where we built that thing, you know, it was in the weight room and, you know, the runs in the off season really brought the team together. So when I got to Muhlenberg, that, that was already kind of ingrained in me. Um, and it's something that excited me about Muhlenberg as a program. They were very big into that and building it in the off season. And, you know, the team really coming together and, um, you know, I got to play for Mike Donnelly, who, who has since passed, but he, he, was a, he was a great influence in terms of great coach, great leader, uh, taught me a ton. Um, Tom Perkovich is another man who was my offensive line coach, now the head coach of Susquehanna mm-hmm. University. Um, and he taught me when I got there, the biggest thing I took from him, you know, just the attention to detail he had in just offensive line play alone. It, it made me realize like, oh, wow, like I thought I knew football coming out of Cherokee. You know, we ran about five or six plays, called it good, but it was just a whole nother level of attention to detail that as a player, I was never the biggest guy. You know, I was 5'11", 290-pound lineman. Right. At Mullenberg I was a smaller guy, but I was able to have some success there just, again, by buying into those details and doing my best to put the team in a great position to win. Sure.
0: And I think that's important, you know, uh, when you get that kind of stability in a program in high school to, that prepares you for, for the next level, man, because not not every place is like that. So uh 100%. yeah. So all right. So you're in college, you go to you go to Muhlenberg. Um, you know, you kinda after you graduate, you get into coaching in high school a little bit. Talk a little bit about, you know, your first coaching job in high school and you know what that was like for you being, you know, fresh out of college. You're the young guy how did you relate to the kids and, and just talk about your overall experience coaching in high school and getting that first job.
1: Yeah. So it actually ties into my, my playing experience in college. So got to play in about half a dozen games. My freshman year got injured early. My sophomore year with the knee had rehab back first practice junior year, blew the knee again. Doctor was like, listen, man, you're not gonna be able to keep doing this. And coach Donnelly was the one who kept me around, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he had, you know, a lot of times D3 programs, you know, the guy, you lose him injury, you lose him for whatever reason. It's that, like, okay, they're done. But he really encouraged me to come around, practice and meetings whenever I could. And I was getting into teaching. I, I was a secondary ed and history major, and I was going to do my students teaching. And he actually made a few phone calls to some local high schools. And uh, Joe Bottileri, uh was the head coach at Emmaus, and he gave me a shot in an interview. And, you know, I started coaching there my senior year of college, um, wow. and it was great it was a great experience. And I think the biggest thing early on, you know, like I said, there, there was so much for me to learn as a coach, but the way I tried to connect with the players was just guys, I was in your shoes three, four years ago. And just remember the little things about work ethic and attention to detail and just trying to separate yourself from the next guy. I think that was the biggest thing early on that I was able to connect with the guys on, you know, from Mm -hmm. freshman all the way up to varsity. Um, so that was a, that was a great experience. And then when I got out of college, um, I, I was hired by, uh, Dennis Scuderi at Absigami high school, um, and was able to, again, just, uh, I was just trying to learn as much as I could, but also again, take anything that I could and, uh, really make sure that the kids could connect with me and know they had a confidant and someone that they could turn to, to talk about anything and just building that genuine relationship. And then the X's and O's and the knowledge just kept growing and growing. And, you know, it was able to uh, just provide some great experiences for me and some of my most fun days coaching that were at the high school ranks.
0: Sure. And I think, you know, that's, that's, like you said, that's important to to build that camaraderie and have that confidant with some of the younger coaches. It's also important to to know when to, you know, switch the hat and, and know, mm-hmm. when that, you know when it's time to go to work. And, um, you know, I think some of the, the really good coaches know how to do that. Um, I was yeah. curious. That's, you know, we're – I'm looking at you know where you've been and stuff and yeah I was wondering how you got that Emmaus job out of high school being a South Jersey guy but that kind of clears it up for you so um, mm-hmm. when, did you, when did you realize you know you wanted to get into coaching in college and and how did you go about doing that?
1: Well right when I graduated I finished student teaching at Muhlenberg and you know I was very excited about that and you know it was like all right hey I'm gonna be a high school coach and you know, teach and that, that was going to be it. And I, I was really excited to go in that process. And then, um, you know, I talked a lot with the Muhlenberg coaches at the time and, you know, just about how they got into it. And it just kind of got me curious. So as I started seeing job postings, um, you know, for little like interns or GAs, I just would send my, my resume out with a, you know, letter of interest and just see if anything got back. And pretty early on, didn't hear much back you know it was kind of mm-hmm. well, I wouldn't say discouraged but just you're like oh okay this is hard than it looks and you know it was always something in the back of my mind that I knew that you know if an opportunity came I'd love to run with it while you know I, you know, I wasn't married I didn't have kids like would take a chance like that and it all kind of played out right after uh, my first fall at Absigami, right after I graduated um, Trey Brown was the head coach at Wilkes University and he he had coached me at Muhlenberg he was one of the assistants there and you know he gave me a call when they had an open intern position it was at February and um, you know we talked and he you know he did some some preliminary stuff in terms of like, all right how, why do you want to do this all this and I um, you know was lucky enough he's like hey let's 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 uh, let's bring you on and, and we'll start you slow and we'll get it working and I actually went up there the job didn't really start paying until that August, but I just went up there and lived in the office for about five six months and just kind of got my feet wet and Got to work with the you know the defensive coordinator, and I was working with the linebackers that first spring, and then that that fall got moved to the D line, and uh, just kind of soaked up as much as I could because I played offense in college and high school uh, the majority of the time, so that was a great deal in terms of uh, flipping it to the other side of the coin and how to apply my knowledge of the offensive sides and then coaching defense. So sure,
0: and I think a lot of the a lot of the stories that we hear you know regarding coaching somehow they always come back to sleeping in the office or or grinding out some way you know and and making some kind of sacrifices that you know uh typically you wouldn't be making fresh out of college after you know uh, you know four years of education you expect to come out and you get
1: a a job that pays halfway decent but not when you want to be a football coach i guess (laughs) A 100 percent, man and it was uh like I said, it was an opportunity and something that, like I said, I told myself I, I didn't want to regret anything in my life. So I said, you know what, let's do it. And uh, let's see where it takes me. You know, I, sure. I didn't I didn't know if it was going to be a one-year thing. And then I'm like, hey, you know what, I got to get out of here. But I, I fell in love with it, re, almost re-fell in love with the game. And um, it, it's been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, you know, you, in, at around this time, you get an, in, an interesting opportunity. Um, uh, you, you become the scouting intern for the, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, which is pretty cool. Uh, talk yeah. a little bit about that experience and, and how you got that and, you know, kind of what your day-to-day tasks were in that role. I know you weren't there very long, but you were there and yeah. just
1: touch on that. Yeah. You know, it was a, a really unique opportunity. Um, you know, my, a family friend uh, of my father's, you know, had worked, he was working in the NFL and. We kind of reconnected, and he, he found out I was into coaching. And he's like, "Listen, you know, they're looking for guys. Would, would you mind if I put your name in?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And you know, I had a little quick phone interview and, with a couple of the scouting guys. And I guess they liked what I had to say, and it was a great opportunity to go up there for a couple of weeks. And you know, it was a, they they do a great job. The NFL, you know, they're able to do those internships, and then you're allowed to go back for your your camp. You know, because we mm-hmm. start camp in August, so I was able to get up there around the uh, middle of July. And was there until roughly the first second week of August. And day to day, it was great experience in terms of um, a just getting to interact with people in that profession. Number one, um, sure. not gonna, like that, that's huge, and just really trying to soak up all that you could. And then just embracing the little tasks. You know, you were doing anything from making copies to making coffee to then to, all right, hey, like come sit in on this meeting and you know watch us break down film, and then all right, now go off on your own and do the breakdowns from practice and you know, you get assigned certain position groups as one of those interns. There was about six of us. So I had the quarterbacks in the D line. So every guy they had, you know, we'd sit with the scout you were assigned with and you're helping them write up the reports for the day and, and, and different things like that. And um, really just trying to keep them organized, but also, you know, it's a great resource in terms of you're able to watch as much film of anything as you can and, and, and each player and, I, I, what I found interesting was just the way they were evaluating players and, and uh, the, the different ranking systems, but also what they were looking for in physical attributes was great for me. And it's paid off now in terms of I know it's not the same at the Division three college level. Like we yeah. got to look for different things, but just those same principles of, you know, like uh, Dwayne Joseph was the director of pro personnel there at the time. And he always told me, man, it starts with defeat. No matter what the position starts with defeat do they have the quick feet? Do they have the quick change of direction out of those footwork? The right. rest of it can take care of itself. And, you know, so just little things like that you take from it and then it carries with you whenever you're evaluating now, um, you know, years down the line when you're looking for guys and difference makers, it's just little uh, ticks like that that you're able to pick up.
0: Absolutely, man. And you're talking about two completely different levels, but the uh, the attributes don't change that much. So it's kind of <clears throat> see, see the similarities there. So you know, you do that internship. You're, you're you're back at Wilkes. Talk about you know what it was like there, going from an intern, kind of working your way up the ranks at Wilkes, and and you wound up you know by the time you left there, you were uh, pretty high up on the food chain. So talk about how that you know, how that worked out for you.
1: Yeah, you know, like I said, Trey, Trey Brown gave me an opportunity to be that intern, and and really the, the that first year my my goal again was to learn as much as I could and to contribute wherever I could. And really, it was just taking any task and, you know, remembering like, Hey, my name's on it. If, I, if, I, if I'm able to help the program in any way. So, um, you know, obviously you had your, your position coach responsibilities, you had your recruiting responsibilities and different things like that. Well, just anything operationally, anything, um, you know, anything to get the program better. And, and I was able that first year to, um, like I said, sacrifice, you don't make a ton of money, but you, you invested a lot of time. And then after that first season, um, we had a coach who, had, who had left to pursue other opportunities and Trey gave me a call and was like, listen, you know, you've worked your tail off and, you know, we'd love to give you an opportunity as a full-time guy. And I, you know, I jumped at it. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, that was a great, you know, I, 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 was excited about the opportunity again. I'd never thought that that was even a possibility, uh, Oh, excuse me. And uh, was just able to run with it again, just keep that same mindset. I, I take pride in even today at the end of the day, um, I still approach any task just like I did when I was the intern at Wilkes, you know, like, like get it done. It's my name on it. And, you know, that, that I want it to be something that I could be proud of, but also the program would be proud of, and whether it's, you know, position work, whether it's a playbook drawing, whether it's anything. Um, you know, you always make sure that you get that stamp of approval from yourself and your, your head coach. You want to make them – do them right and do them proud. Sure.
0: So, you uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, recruiting responsibilities and stuff like that. Uh, just talk a little bit about what those were at, at Wilkes, And you had a rel- relatively large recruiting area. Talk, you know, talk a little bit about how you uh, attacked that and just your recruit
1: uh, recruiting philosophy in general. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing, especially the D3 level – it, it is obviously extremely competitive just due to the sheer vast number of schools that there are, especially in that Northeast area. You know, there's gotta be of the 250 division three teams, 125 of them are all in that tri-state area, you know, they're everywhere. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I was given a, a large recruiting area. It started when my first year when I was an intern in South Jersey, you know, a place that I was familiar with it, uh, which was great in terms of being able to hone my craft and, in terms of building those relationships. Like it's one thing, like, yeah, you played there in that in that league and in that region and you have a lot of um, you know, relationships already built, but now it's like, all right, it's a professional relationship. Number one thing for me is always you got to make sure that the high school coach that's giving you that time that you're giving them you the, your full attention. And I always came in and you know Trey told me this from day one was like, don't just walk in there and say, hey, who do you got for me? Yeah. Do your homework ahead of time and walk in with like hey I have watched the tape of your seniors. These are the four guys I'd like to talk to. And they may tell you two, two of them, no. You know, they may say, hey, they got higher level looks. But at the end of the day, you know what your program needs. And they, they, at the end of the day, will appreciate the honesty and the homework that you did ahead of time because so many times guys go in and they don't know what they want. They're just kind of like, hey, what do you got for me? And it's just building that genuine like, hey, I give a crap and I – sure. Um, have done my homework on your program yeah and, and, and coach uh, being
0: on being on both ends of that being the guy walking into the high school and now being the high school head coach man i can't tell you it cringe i, I cringe when it when a coach comes in and i, I ask him who do they want to see and they're like, i don't know who do you got what kind of seniors or how many seniors yeah like i mean right. i still you know, <laughs> still give them the kids obviously but it's just because
1: like,
0: when i was you know when i was out there hitting a road like hitting the road like Dude, I'm watching film. I know the coach's name. I know the team record. I know uh, any big games they won or lost. And, you know, I could attribute that to uh, a couple of the guys who helped mentor me along the way. And I learned that from mm-hmm. them. And, you know, I think that's why those guys are so successful and I'm sure I'll talk to them, you know, at a different time, but man, it's just, like you said, do your homework. It, it goes a lot, a lot further, you know, showing that you care than, uh, just showing up and doing a job. But I think that's what separates a lot of guys
1: from the, you know, the good from the great ones, you know, a hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. It's just the details. And, you know, it, it also allows you to stay organized, you know, even just by doing that extra prep work, you're not, you're not fumbling around trying to do like, all right, I hit X school and which guys was I talking to? Like you already know ahead of time and you're able to build genuine relationships with the kids on that point. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's a Absolutely. lot easier to walk into a school when you know the names of the kids and the, the position, and then that way you can build a, like a genuine conversation, and not just like, "All right, hey, I'm meeting you for the first time. Here's a straight cold call," you right. know. And um, that's what it
0: feels like sometimes, man—a cold call, and and those are very uncomfortable sometimes. Correct. But, correct. Uh, so you you know you go from um, you know you're at Wilkes for a couple of years, you get the opportunity to go to to John Carroll um where you're at now how did that job how did that job come about and and was it tough for you to make that decision being invested with the coaching staff at Wilkes or just talk a little bit about how that job came up
1: yeah no I mean it was it was actually funny so I my the at the time the defense coordinator at Wilkes and I went out to the Michigan coaching clinic that they had back when Harbaugh first got there And, um, you know, he had known somebody that he had played with in college. That was like a, a, he was a a GA there and we were just talking and I got introduced to a guy by the name of Rick Finati, who was, um, the DFO there at the time. And he was, then he became a defensive analyst that next year. Um, and we met and talked for probably about an hour, you know, just back and forth. And I didn't think anything of it, you know, it was a great conversation. And then that next year after the 16th season, um, I get a phone call from, Uh, one of the guys who I'd interned with, with the Eagles was at Michigan as well. And he's like, Hey, this guy, Fanati just got the head coach job at John Carroll. Um, you know, it's a great program. And, um, would you mind if I gave him your resume looking for a young D line coach? And I said, yeah, sure. And, you know, we kind of reconnected, you know, he called me and a five hour phone conversation later, he's like, all right, man, like, let's, let's do this thing. And that was, you know, crazy in terms of the first time where you know, I had a job that I really liked and I, I loved and I, I was invested in the people there. I was invested in the community and the, of the campus and, and the coaching staff, you know, they were the guys that gave me my first shot, you know, there was mm-hmm. a lot of loyalty there. Um, but then, you know, as I sat down, I'm like, again, what got me into this thing was like, you can take a risk right now, you know, you can take a risk. And um, so I, 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 it was tough because again, you play for a guy, you trust him and you, you love him to death. And but I was like, you know what? I don't want to look back with regret. And I took the job and packed my stuff in my car, everything I could fit. And uh, I drove out to John Carroll and that, that's how I got out of here. So yeah. it's been a crazy and ride.
0: If if you've heard any of the podcasts before, there's been a couple guys who have been on who, who say, you know, they, they got there to where they were because they took a gamble on themselves, man. And they believed in themselves. And, and sometimes you got to do that. And, and it, sometimes it pays off and, And sometimes, you know, it doesn't, but you know, so far so good in in your, in your uh, case, talk a little bit about just in general, man, about what goes on or what goes into like, you know, a younger coach's decision-making process when it comes to making a move like that. You said you had a a, a phone conversation for five hours. Did you know after that conversation or during that conversation, like you're ready to go or just, you know, what are some things that you consider being in that position?
1: Well, I think, you know, the first thing I, I hadn't made the decision after that phone conversation, but the first thing I took from it was, wow, I, I was really excited throughout that conversation. Um, you know, I think any any interaction you have, whether it's job interview, whether it's a conversation with with anybody, did you leave it feeling like, oh, wow, this fired me up. You know, this, mm-hmm. this got me going. And when I got off the phone, I'm like, dang, like, this is awesome. Like, we, we talk ball, we talk recruiting, we talk family, we talk values. Like there was literally anything and anything. I felt anything and everything we, I felt like I really got to know the guy. Um, and, and that excited me. And then, you know, uh, you know, a couple days later, he's like, listen, you know, I want you know, I, I sent him like my D line manually He said, Hey, just let me take a look at it. And he's like, listen, he called me back about three days later. He's like, I love this. You know, I love what you had to say. And I'm really excited about it. What do you think? And I kind of took like 24 hours. I slept on it. And then I, you know I went in and talked to Trey and uh, my boss at the time. And I was like, listen, I, I want to take this shot. Um, and then just the decision making behind it was like you say, like you, you bet on yourself. Like I was going to a foreign area, you know, I had never been past state college, you know. Yeah. I had never you know never been past state college PA uh West. And uh, you know, I said, you know what, let's do it. And it, it was again taking a risk for all myself, but at the same time too, it was a great opportunity for a program that's got a lot of history. Um, you know, playing in Don Shula Stadium and all that kind of stuff, you know, London Fletcher played there. And, uh, you know the list goes on and on, but it, it was just cool for me. You know, being a football guy, love football to begin with. It was awesome to see, and I was like, you know what, let's do it.
0: Yeah, sure. That's a that's a pretty cool story, man, and and you know, story of perseverance and and just it's how the coaching world works sometimes, man. And it's 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 interesting, coach. Um, you might you know you might be able to bet on yourself in in coaching, but mm-hmm. when it comes to the hot route segment, I'm always going to bet on the house. All right. all right and that's and that's where we're going right now we're going to go into the hot route segment here before we do before we do as always uh if you like what we're doing man give us a follow on twitter at challenge underscore cast make sure you hop on to all your major podcasting platforms um, you know rate comment subscribe whatever it is apple Podcasts, spotify anchor so much more soundcloud all this all the podcasting uh platforms out there coach you ready for the hot route segment Ready as I'll ever be. Yeah, well, that's a common (laughs) common answer from a lot of guys. Here we go. So, first question: Which is better, Wawa or Sheets or Wawa? Wawa, hands down. Did you hear that they they're coming out with a burger?
1: I I I did, and uh, I'm I'm interested to try it when I get back in in the summertime. I'm gonna have. I read a
0: review. I read a review today that it was awful. But all right, well, it's only it's only in select. It's only like six Wawas and and they won't announce where it's at. But all right, uh, yeah. it's coming. Hopefully, out. it's not mine. <laughs> all right, so you're a South Jersey guy, man. I, I imagine you're Philly sports fans. Finish this yes, sentence. Sir.
1: Carson Wentz is blank. He's a dog. I love him. I, I, I I'm you know I, I'm heartbroken, especially this past season. You know, getting hurt in the playoff game, but. I love the way he approaches things, and um, I know he's going to stay healthy, and I'm really excited to see how he goes throughout his career. All right. We'll see, man. We'll
0: see. Third question <laughs> If you were in a biker gang, what would your name be?
1: Ooh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, probably keep it as simple, just Jay Long or something like that. Like, I, I've never been too creative with my own nicknames, you know, my, my, my buddies Big, and Big Jay Long yeah that's been a, a standard so uh we'll right. go with that one we'll go we'll go with that, we'll go with
0: that. and there, everybody knows there's there's a method to my madness so we're getting into all it. right favorite tailgate food
1: oh gotta say uh pork roll egg and cheese there's always a good one especially for the one o'clock kick that's always
0: nice. a good one for me nice, dude. that's a that's a good answer probably one of the better answers we've had on this on this segment so far here we go uh next question favorite
1: non-sports movie Ooh, okay, this is good, this is good. I, I'd have to go with The Departed. Um, that was uh, always, you know, obviously came out probably right around when I was in high school. Loved the film, loved the actors, the quotable yeah. for days. It's just, uh, it's a classic
0: all the way around. That is a good one. And last question here, Coach. Top two qualities needed
1: to be a man of mayhem. Ooh, good one, good one. Um, I, I tell my guys number one you got to be able to be a blue collar guy um, you know uh, no no job is too little or too unimportant like every little thing is important uh, that's on the field or off and, and then really to me it's that brotherhood that selfless mentality we talk about doing your one for the other 10 one for ten you know there you, you do your, you do your job the other 10 brothers you got out there with you and 99.9 percent of the time you're gonna come out on top with you Never coach,
0: coach, it's the hot route segment, man. We're gonna jump into your men of mayhem in a little bit. All right, we're <laughs> gonna. We're, I'm gonna give you plenty of time to talk about it. You survived the hot route. It was surprisingly pretty good. All right, I good appreciate job. that. I'm, st- I'm still betting on the house, though. Again, if you uh, if you <laughs> like what we're doing, man, follow us on Twitter at challenge underscore cast. Um, you know, subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google Podcasts, all that stuff, man. Uh, good job, coach. We're talking Thank present day here, and now we're moving forward. Uh, you're at a very successful John Carroll program. Uh, you guys have, you know, done really good things over the past few years. That you know that you've been there. Um, you continue to climb the ranks uh, at John Carroll. Talk a little bit about your experience, what it's been like, and what do you contribute a lot to to, to the success that you guys are having there.
1: Well, it's been a great experience. You know, like I said, you know, you kind of bet on yourself and come out here in a new place. And I think the biggest thing is uh, just keeping that same hungry mentality that, you know, I, I've been able to have since I started. And, you know, when I was an intern at Wilkes, like I said, no job is too little, no, no no job is unimportant and to, to make it your own and put your stamp on it. And it's kind of how I've approached, you know, any, any task that I've given out here, um, and really, it all started when I got out here. They they were coming off, of, you know, in 2016. You know, I was at Wilkes, and John Carroll made a Final Four run. They uh, mm-hmm. finished third in the country. Um, that coaching staff was, uh, you know, selected to to go take the job at Tennessee Chattanooga, and FCS school. And Coach Fanati got the job. I got out here. The D-line was a very talented group and who had already had a ton of success before I got there. So it was something where I I, I wanted to make sure I approached it with, hey, listen, guys, like, I'm going to teach you everything I know. I'm going to learn more every day. And just being genuine, being honest with them, but also showing them my work ethic that nobody will outwork me. And I think that it really bridges the gap in terms of, like, uh, so many times you hear about coaches who take over jobs and come into jobs when it's easy when there's been failure there, you know, to get buy-in. But when you've had success at your program and then now you've got to come in with a new staff um, I think those three things really were what allowed me to build great relationships with my players in terms of the trust, and I had to earn it. You know, it wasn't going to sure. be there day one; it was built over time. And uh, the numbers through the years now have shown that, like guys, bought in to what we're doing, um, not only schematically but culturally as a team. And um, you know, it, it's paid dividends on the field. Yeah, you know?
0: Absolutely. And you kind of touched on something that's that's pretty interesting uh, that that I'm a big, you know, proponent of, I don't, you know, you're not always going to know everything, man. You're not going to, you're not going to know close to everything, but you'll find out whatever it takes. If you don't know the answer to a question or you don't know how to do something or you don't know what, what this calls for or what that calls for, like, dude, I'll get back to you. I'll find out. I don't know right now, but I'll figure it out and I'll get back to you and then we'll, we'll get this thing together uh, and we'll do it together, man. So I think that's a, just being honest with yourself and being honest with your kids and not always acting like you have all the answers because you don't. And I think the kids see that and they respect it.
1: Yeah. And that, and and that's something again, like it's, it's become natural now. Like I want to learn more and more every day, you know, in this profession, you have an opportunity to learn from your kids, from your coworkers, from you know, coaches that you meet on the road, from administrators, all that stuff. Like at the end of the day, if you're not learning, you're not getting better. And you know, having that attitude in terms of like, yeah, I may not know everything, but I promise you, I'm gonna you know work my tail off to make sure that I get the right answer for you. And uh, it just builds that camaraderie, like you said, that trust. And then the kids are willing to go to war for you, and, and they know that you're willing to do the same for them.
0: Sure, I absolutely agree. Coach, I mentioned earlier, man, about the Men of Mayhem and I mentioned the biker gang and as always there's a method to my madness. The you know, the Men of Mayhem, I know it's a playoff of Sons of Anarchy, uh one of my favorite shows. Man, I love that show. Talk about building that yeah, talk about building that brand and and what it takes to be a man of mayhem and and you know, just how how have the kids bought into it.
1: You know, and again, it kind of ties back into, you know, what I was talking about earlier where, you know, you're coming into a group that's had a lot of returning experience, you know, and a lot of success without you there. And, you know, basically, I, I thought of it as an idea to bring them closer together, really, you know, just bring that bond in the room that we could all share, you know, me as an outsider, like earning that trust, but really buying into what we're all about. And that's that blue collar work ethic that selfless work ethic of doing your one for 10. And and then really, you know, you think about defensive line play, uh, at the end of the day, you have to cause mayhem. If if you're going to be successful, that's, that's what you got to do. Um, and you know, I, I obviously loved sons of anarchy as well. I thought, you know, it was uh, one of the the best shows on cable TV, uh, ever, um, just in my opinion and the kids had, the kids had seen it. So they were familiar with it and kind of got behind it. And then, uh, you know, just, just the, Every day, like we're causing mayhem. Our job is to create mayhem, and yeah. just the little things that we could do, whether it's you know denting the kickout block or you know you know disrupting the quarterback's timing and getting knockdowns and sacks and all that stuff like that, just mayhem. And I would yeah. tag it in the clips And that for a whole first second year, hey, mayhem! This is causing mayhem, you know. And yeah. they would buy into it, and that's you know kind of how it really you know, how it came to be. And, um, I'm sure somebody else has, you know, done something similar. I know I'm not the guy in it. I mean,
0: I, I know right off the top of my head, you know, um, coach, uh, Sean Spencer from Penn state, who now is just took the job with the, uh, the, the giants. giants, like that yep. he always had like the wild dogs, man. And, and like you said, it, and it's the same thing now. It's a defensive line. It's a different kind of mindset and it, mm-hmm. now it's a mentality, and now it's ingrained, and it's your brand, man. Men of Mayhem, you'll take that wherever you go here in the future, and I think it's pretty cool, and like you said, you kind of build a brand with the defensive lineman. so uh, good job on that. So,
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. It's been moving, a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, we're moving forward here uh, as we kind of wrap it up here, last couple questions. Um, you've had the opportunity to speak at some, some pretty cool clinics, man. You, were, you spoke at Nike Clinic. Uh, You spoke at Glazier. Talk about how those experiences came up for you and, you know, just talk about how, what they were like, you know, talking to a room full of guys that that are sitting there and had all eyes
1: on you. Yeah. So uh, it was really, really cool. After my first year out here, I I had part of my recruiting area here in Carroll's Pittsburgh and uh, one of the coaches who, I you know met with that first year was it like just on the board of the Nike clinic, just getting it all squared away. And he, he had reached out to me after that first season, was like, "Hey, we'd love for you to talk um, just about D line play and some different things you guys do." And that was a a really cool experience in terms of I've never like I, you always present you know for meetings, you're teaching your guys and things like that. you you know with your other coaches. Um, but that was the first time really I'd really presented and you know to a group of not necessarily strangers but just other coaches in the profession. It was a a great exercise of getting my thoughts organized and really uh, making sure that my teaching, the way I was talking, the way I was uh, posing questions was sharp. You know, you want to always make sure that in front of your peers that like you're putting your best foot forward, but also allowing them to get something out of it too. Um, You know, and that, and that's, I wanted to make it accessible and, you know, it it was a lot of fun that first year at the Nike clinic. And then uh, after year two, um, the Cleveland Glazers called and said, Hey, you know, we, we were uh, successful, very successful defensively that second year as well. And, you know, we actually led all levels of football and sacks per game. So they, they you know, they're like, Hey, come talk about, you know, different pass rush and run stuff and stuff and D line stunts that you do. And, you know, that that was a really cool one because there was probably 100 coaches in there for, for about two and a half hours. And we, we really got down and dirty and, you know, we, we talked some ball and it, it was a lot of fun. Again, just a great exercise of, communicating teaching and really just being able to make sure that everybody in that room could take something back to their program and hopefully use it. Yeah, um, It's been great. It's been a great experience.
0: And I think, and I think the, the big thing, especially being a young coach, man, you get an opportunity like that to teach other people, but you're teaching so much to yourself too. Like you learn so much, you know, more of, of how to, how to, sometimes you know, the answer, but you don't always know how to pour, you know, portray it or, or to get it out there. So Uh, Just as much as you're helping other people, you're helping yourself as well. So that's pretty cool. Touching on that, uh, you know, anybody out there listening in the tri-state area, uh, we're hosting our our clinic night of football Thursday night, March 12th. Uh, We've got 22 college coaches scheduled to to speak, Um, headlined by uh, Temple head coach Rod Carey and a bunch of other guys, man. Great names. Um, it's going to be a really great night again in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Thursday night, March 12th. If you're interested in that, uh, just contact me on Twitter here. It'll probably be the best way at challenge underscore cast coaches. We head into the last question, man. I know, you know, you're in the middle of a recruiting visit. You're up against the time here. We're going to wrap it up. I definitely appreciate you coming mm-hmm. on. Just talk a little bit about, you know, what your schedule's like moving out or, you know, from here on out. And, and I know you're the recruiting coordinator at, at John Carroll, talk a little bit about what goes into that. Cause I know it could be a tedious process. So just touch on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. You know, um, you know, schedule moving forward, this will be our last like official visit weekend. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, like like all D three guys know though. I mean, you'll have guys visiting up through April, May, sometimes, you know, you just kind of take that as it comes and make sure you're always coordinating with admissions and financial aid and, you know, the professors and making sure that you get the most out of the visit for each kid that comes up. But, um, you know, moving forward, with this will be our last official recruiting. And then we'll, we'll get into spring ball prep, um, which recruiting never stops. So, you know, days will be spent um, going through the self-scout cut-ups and, you know, studying other defenses and other offenses and going to make sure that we're doing the best we can to really scrub ourselves and see what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, what we need to teach better, mm-hmm. um, what we need to do more or less of. And then at night making those recruiting calls, trying to secure those commitments to build your class um, then spring balls start at the end of March, get a nice five week run of that. Um, you know, you get 15 practices and again, just really getting to, you know, teach those guys. And it's actually cool that Carol, we're, uh, we're actually going to Italy, um, the end of May to play a game. Um, uh, we're, we with, with, working with global football and we get to go across the pond a little bit and play some fo- football and wow, that's uh, it'll awesome. be, a, be a cool experience. Uh, we, we, did it my first year out here. We went to Spain and did it back in 2017. So that was really cool. And, guys are all juiced about that. Um, And then just talk about recruiting, you know, you know, taking care of obviously establishing areas and, you know, standards and then, um, you know, planning visits and things like that. Number one, what you know, in terms of the areas, the biggest thing that I always try to do is, you know, wherever you're at, understand like, all right, where's the bread and butter areas in terms of distance from you, you know, within that three to four hour radius where it's like, all right, we need boots on the ground. We need to make sure no stone is unturned here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, you know, building on your strat, your staff strengths in terms of, all right, where are their connections from? Do they have connections in certain areas and, and putting them there? And it's one thing to just set it up that way. But what we do here is, you know, we'll take, I'll take the staff through. Um, you know, a, a, a mock. Hey, I'm I'm coming into school. This is what we talk about, um, pure, especially for the younger coaches who are just getting into it. Trey used to do that with us at Wilkes, and I always thought it was really helpful, um, just to get them on the same page. And uh, you know, it kind of sets them up for just the standards that we have when we go into a building. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, to um, to meet with those coaches and administrators and teachers, and and then those young men that are going to be hopefully future, you know, future members of your program. Um, sure. and then, you know, and then just planning visits at the end of the day, especially at this D3 level. And, and, you know, you know, you were at DelVal for, you know, extended period of time. Like you understand like each D3 campus has, you know, great things about it. Right. And then there's some things I know guys are always like, oh, well, it's tough. You know, we don't have this. We don't have this. Uh, we try to focus less on what we don't have and focus on all right, what do we have to offer? What's your bread and butter? What, like what buildings set you, set visually set you apart, um, what what professors can you get in front of the group of individuals who you have visiting, and can really command a room and be a, walk out of it? They walk out of there, and the people sitting there and listening to the academic portion are like, "Wow, this guy knows what he's talking about, and knows about the the things that we can do here." And um, you know, really just again putting your best foot forward. And and at the end of the day, too, it all comes down to. You know, that prep and organization, you know, we feel like we take, we do invest a great, t- a ton of time, obviously, in watching the tape, evaluating our guys, but also building those relationships, getting to know their families. And, you know, when they come up here, like we're able to be on a first name basis with not only the prospect, but their family and really try to make it special to them. Because um, sure. at the end of the day, the biggest thing I'll say about recruiting visits is get the prospects around your players. That's mm-hmm. the number one thing because coaches come and go schools, like at the end of the day, every everybody's getting the same econ class. Everybody's getting the same bio class. It's all the same book, just a different teacher. The people and the players are what make it special. And sure. you'll know the guys that you're getting are bought in for the right reasons when you're getting them around those players as much as possible. And that's the best thing, you know, I would say in terms of planning recruiting visits, that's the, the best thing we do, you know, the player panels and the, the overnight hosts and get giving them time to really interact and see like hey could I be at home here for four years and make friends for life sure
0: because that's you know those are the guys who you're gonna you're gonna be spending most of your time with so uh it's a really great insight there coach um coach Jeff Long uh John Carroll University man I appreciate you coming on tonight
1: coach man hey it's awesome catching up and I I appreciate I love what you're doing the podcast I love what you're doing at Cherry Hill East man you're doing the right things and it's awesome to see, man. A i follow following from afar, but I'm yeah. a big fan. A I big appreciate
0: fan. it, man. I'm, I appreciate all the kind words, man. That's going to wrap it up here for another episode of A Coach's Challenge. Stories told by coaches, but heard by everyone.